Thank you for joining us on the Gary Wilkerson podcast. I am Gary Wilkerson. That makes sense, doesn't it? And I'm here with Joshua West. Uh, Joshua is the director of our outreach to pastors and Christian leaders. Uh, we call it the Pastors Network, and you've been doing that uh, not too long. You joined us from uh, being a pastor and leader of a Teen Challenge in Oklahoma. He's done a great job since he's been here with us, speaking at our conferences, leading some of our evangelistic outreaches. Uh, and I'm Gary Wilkerson, president of World Challenge. Um, both Joshua and I have written uh, several books, and uh, we'd love to get together and just talk about the Lord, whether we're on a podcast like this or not. We're just kind of, this, this is, you know, mics are on, the cameras are on or not. Uh, we're going to talk Bible, we're going to talk theology. And today, Joshua, we're talking about the, the continuing the series. This is week seven of a series we've been doing on the Bible, on Scripture, on having a heart after God. <clears throat> when you have a heart after God, you're going to find the gems and the truths in his word. <clears throat> I'd like to start today by just reading this uh, quote from a guy we both like, Thomas Manton, been, been around a while, uh, one of the early Puritan writers in the 1600s. It says, uh, <clears throat> uh, Jewels do not lie upon the surface. You must get into the caverns and the dark receptacles of the earth for them. No more do truths lie in the surface of outside of an expression. The beauty and glory of Scripture is within them and must be fetched out with much study and prayer. <clears throat> what we're doing today, we don't, we don't want to be, you know, just sort of ivory tower intellectuals telling people, you know, here, <clears throat> here's, even though we're using big words in this thing, hermeneutics and homiletics, <clears throat> excuse me, we're not here to, to do that. We're here to encourage people in the Word, right? Wouldn't that be something that you have a heart for as well? Oh, definitely. And I think... Um I think a lot of times, you know, I mean, even before I was a Christian, I, I used to think about it like, you know, studying the Bible was something I had to do or I should do. Or, um, But, you know, once you begin to know and love God, you want to know him more. And this is the means by which we know him. Just like when you, you met your wife, you know, there was things about her that interested you and attracted you to her, but it wasn't just like, well, I know all I need to know, yeah. uh, you know, let's have a relationship. No, over the years, it's been, it's gotten deeper and more and more you want to know everything. And, and, uh, and not only do we have a relationship with God, but he is our, our savior and our yeah. King and the creator of the universe. And so, um, knowing God from his word is, is something that I believe um, you know, that the, the true believer should want to know. That doesn't mean it's always, you know, exciting to study the Bible. There are times I study the Bible just out of discipline, just like I pray out of discipline. But but I think there are these times where um, God has used certain things to stir my heart afresh. And that's what I'm hoping this podcast will be is that, you know, maybe some people will come into seriously studying the Bible um, for the first time. And maybe men, you know, who are... Um, served God as long as us or less or whatever, maybe this would just revive them and awaken them to the beauty and glory that is Christ as revealed in the scripture. Um, you know, the God, I, I believe with all my heart, the God of our own imagination will become an idol. It's, it's a fantasy of our own making. Uh, the early American natives uh, built totem poles and if you've ever seen them, you know, they have an, like, an eagle or a bear or a fish or whatever. These were things that in their culture they would honor and esteem as values that they want. I want to be as strong as a bear. I want to be wise as an owl. So they put those on the totem pole and worship that totem pole. In reality, what they're doing is worshiping themselves. And so it, without the Bible, we build a God that is of our own liking. And so you just, and even as you were talking about knowing your wife, um, that, you know, there's there's beauty, there's glory, there's charm, there's intrigue, there's allure, 
Um, but there's also, uh, so, so here's an example. Uh, last night I was talking to my wife about the podcasts, and she said, well, yeah, I've been watching them. I said, oh, what do you think? She goes, oh, you're a little bit stiff. <laughs> what do you mean? It's like, yeah, like, you know, you're kind of relaxed and fun to be around, and you had a good sense of humor. When you get on the podcast, you're like, the Bible says and God says. <laughs> so as you can tell, I'm trying to breathe and just yes. kind of chill a little bit. And, uh, you know, so, but, but I say that, what she said to me, not just to tell people I'm trying to relax here today, <laughs> but I said that to say uh, there are certain things about my wife that are sometimes hard to, you know, like when she tells me to pick up my socks, you know, right. that's like, ah, you know, or you're home late. You said you'd be home at this time and you're going to be home. By the way, you need to leave at 3.30 today. Make sure you get your wife on time. Anyway, right. uh, but uh, yeah, so that exactly, I agree 100% with what you're saying that, that uh, you know, just, just like we want to get to know somebody we love, we, you know, we do that, you know, uh, the, the God exists in un, un, unknown light or un, how's it go? Uh, unapproachable light. Oh, yes. Yeah, God exists in unapproachable light. So we can't know him that way like we could know our wives or no our children doubt. or each other. The Bible says we're foolish to think that God was like us. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but but we can know him through his word. That's right. And through prayer and through, through pre, you know, uh, uh, the preaching of the word. You know, one of the common means of grace is what the the right the reformers talked about. The, one of them one of them was, was the preaching of the word. And so when we go on Sunday, we sit before the opening of the word. That's why it's good to choose a good church. But anyway, that's, uh, you know, we're going to get after today. Uh, we've talked about some really cool topics, but today we're going to be talking about the lens or the framework. It'd be similar to like a worldview. What, what do you bring when you open up the Bible? You, it's not, you're not coming to it neutrally. You, you have preferences and ideas and stuff like that. So uh, what, what do you think of when we start just this whole conversation about helping people understand the framework that they have? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it right. important? Is it, should we discard it? Should we, do we understand that it's there and then use it for our good? You know, I don't know if any of those questions resonate no, with you. Definitely. I think, uh, you know, I know we're going to do a podcast later down the road um, about systematic theology. Not to get anyone freaked out the word <laughs> systematic theology, but in systematic theology, the, you know, sometimes people think, oh, how dare you try to systematize the Bible? But it's really the opposite. The systematic theology really is trying to observe the things that the Bible makes doctrines, right. the things that the Bible makes important. So when we talk about the lenses through which we see the Bible, when we talk about uh, things like hermeneutics and exegesis, those are not lenses. Those are tools. Now, obviously, if your hermeneutics aren't based on the plain reading of the Bible, it could become a lens. Yeah. Or get you know we could, but but the the goal of exegesis and hermeneutics is to to see what this says. What what did God say? Yeah. So that we can rightly divide it, and then from there, then we start being able to realize that we we do. Here's something we have to acknowledge: we do see the Bible through personal lenses. We do see the Bible through experiences. This isn't right, but we, we have to acknowledge the fact that we were brought up a certain way. Yeah. If you're brought up outside the church, your view of God might be one way. If you are brought up in a certain denomination, you definitely have a view yeah. of God in line with that denomination or the way your parents raised you. And none of these things are, and uh, it's not bad or good, but the goal is, is to not see the Bible through an external lens but but to so when you think when we're you know we have these things written down here about you know dispensationalism or mm -hmm. covenantalism or or even the redemption through judgment view, um, 
we, we shouldn't adopt these things and say, this is the way I'm going to look at the Bible. The reason we would go down one of those roads, ideally, is because that's what we think the Bible seems to be saying right. more than another. And it gets messy because sometimes if you're trying to be really a really honest student of the Bible, you're going to find yourself in situations where you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm covenantal. There's a couple things that dispensationalism says mm-hmm. that I agree with because we, we're coming to this first. And, and even though we're, we're imperfect and we're going to, um, you know, superimpose things on the Bible, we're going to have an eisegetical view in certain areas, we have to work really hard not to do that, to make sure that we're trying our best to see what the Bible says. And, and here's why it's hard is because typically it puts us in a weird spot. You know, it's like, if you attend a church that mostly believes this way, but you're not sure that you believe one of those things, not in a divisive way, but just because you're you're trying to come from the scripture, um, it can make you feel sort of out of sorts. It, we want to be able to say, yeah, I believe everything that that says or everything that this says. And so I think um, I, I don't have a problem with any of you know these sort of views or anything, but I think that we shouldn't pick one and then believe it. What we should do is try our best to see what the Bible says yeah. um, and then maybe pick a lane. You know, I, for me, not even picking a lane. I don't want to pick a lane, but I do find myself, the longer I study the Bible, to tend to listen to people and read theology and do things that seem more in line with that because I perceive that one or the other maybe is more biblical. I think that's a healthy way to do it and to be willing to change, you know, um, yeah. the, with the more knowledge you have of the, of God's word. Yeah. yeah. And what we're after there is, <clears throat> is number one, admitting that we have a lens that we're seeing scripture through. And number two, there are good lenses and there are negative lenses. And number three, does the Bible excel itself lend itself towards hinting or even hammering us over the head, this is the lens we want you to see Scripture through. So some, as we study theology, we read guys like Walter Bergerman, who is, is a well-known scholar and author. He says there really is no lens, uh, and the Bible is not a composite of one theme that God from Genesis to Revelation is trying to, and that's what most of these lenses we're going to be talking about today. These are theologians and Bible teachers and scholars and writers and commentaries who say, it's going to really help your growth and your uh, digging out, like we read from the first quote, the, the, the gems from Scripture will come as you dig, if you dig with certain tools. And sure. the lens is one of these tools that you can use. So, so I'll just share a couple of the negative lenses that I have seen Scripture through. Um, when I was young, I went to a church. I think the pastor must have had a book. I, I say this to my friends. Uh, I even preached about it. I think my pastor had a book, like 52 Sins to Preach to Your Church. <laughs> and every Sunday he would pick a sin, like, uh, let's talk about anger today. And I was like, he preached on anger. And then I'd get like, I wasn't angry when I got in church, but now I'm angry at you for <laughs> preaching about you know, my sin and making me feel bad. Right. And, uh, you know, he'd preach about lust. And I'd go, oh, I'm lusting too. And just, uh, you know, so <clears throat> I learned to, through that, unfortunately, to read the Bible through the lens of sin. I'm a sinner. I'm, and certainly I am a sinner. Sure. But here's how I, so I would read about uh, David and Goliath. And you know how, and we talked about this in one of our previous podcasts. That really story is about the glory and honor of God, how he wins the victory for us. Right. But we tend to read it through the me lens. So I'm reading that. uh, Or maybe even David and Saul. Let's use that as an example. So I'm reading, I'm going like, oh, I'm such a Saul. Right. Uh, You know, I I would not put myself in the hero lens of, of, of any story you know, because I was reading the Bible through, I'm, I'm a horrible person, and this is, 
uh, you know, and if you read certain things from, you know, uh, you know, don't drift away. Oh, I've drifted away. Like, you know, you know just all that stuff. So, so that was a lens. Other people read a lens, particularly, I think, in our modern culture, <clears throat> the younger generation, no offense to whatever the newest, I heard somebody call them the digital natives or millenniums or, um, and no offense to them. They're, they're some of the great men and women of God that are being raised up and I'm hearing them through Definitely. podcasts and online sharing some amazing things. Um, but a lot, I think what's happening now is we've jettisoned that the lens of the sins, seeing ourselves as sinners in the Bible is sin management, which is not healthy. Now that, but now they've, the pendulum swung so far, it's like oh, everything's love and ooh, but, but a God of love would never put his son on the cross. Right. So, so we, so we jettison now uh, substitutionary atonement or the wrath of God uh, hell, you know, we have to whitewash all that and and make it think. So those are a couple of the lenses that I would say were, are negative. Yeah, I agree. I think every, you know, I think every generation, you know, it's all sometimes, you know, the older we get, you know, you people sometimes would be like, oh, those, those kids are ruining everything. But if we're honest, every generation has its particular error or... Except, except the baby boomers, they, we, we are free from... <laughs> from maybe, maybe you guys yeah. somehow escape that. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, but what we all, you, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you're, you would be, do you know what you are? I'm, I think I'm considered a Gen X. Gen X, okay. Gen X. I was right. born in the, the very late 70s and, you know, grew up as a kid in the 80s, teenager in the 90s. And so grunge music and okay. and all of that stuff. Yeah, because you were in a band. Was it, oh, a grunge, was it a grunge band? I'd say kind of in that era, okay. you know, kind of a hard rock that, grunge huh? band maybe. Did you have long hair? Or I did, did have very long okay. hair. Okay, yeah. Well, that's yeah. A good, I, I advocate for that. I, I think long hair is a good thing. Yeah, I know. It was my, a, wife, my wife does anyway. She, I got a haircut one time about like your length and not, not um, it looks good on you. Sure. But I came home and uh, I had a short haircut and my wife started crying. Yeah. Like, oh, you're, <laughs> you're, uh, um, your, your Tarzan locks, he calls them Tarzan locks, <laughs> are, are gone. Oh, so no. Anyway, yeah, so um, you you were saying something, though. Well, about, I just feel like the that, topic you know, we're we, talking about today. It's not, it's not even, and here's the thing under the surface, um, it's always the same thing. The pendulum is swinging one yeah. to one side or to the other. It's been the same way through church history. What we call it or how we categorize it or how we, um, you know, define it in pop culture is different. But I think that's one of the problems with, um, many generations, but especially this generation, is is the idea that the things they're dealing with are unique. You know, it's like this, you know, it's harder to reach people today than it was. And, you know, so we have to go to these extreme methods and, good. and not say this sort of thing. But the truth is, one reassuring thing, uh, talking about lenses, is the lens of the sinful nature of man is always the same. The lens of the holiness of God is always the same. And the actual lens, which we should see every word of Scripture through, and that is the person of Jesus Christ, is always the same. Thank you for watching and listening to the Gary Wilkerson Podcast. Josh and I really appreciate the opportunity to minister to you. If you've been blessed by this, encouraged in the Lord, I would love for you to prayerfully consider generously giving to help support this ministry. You can go to worldchallenge.org and you'll find a donate button right there on the homepage. God bless. Thanks. And so while there might be some different things for me, I think that faithful preaching and writing um, throughout the, the generations of the church um, have always centered in that. And so I think that as much as we like to think 
that, you know, the problem uh, that, that the youth have today or whatever is different than it was 30 years ago or 60 years ago, it might look a little different, but it, it's the same, it's yeah. the same problem. So that's re reassuring. So for me, when I look at young people, um, I'm, I'm discouraged and encouraged, just like I'm sure people were in my generation. I'm sure people were in your generation. I think the biggest talking about lenses, the reason why people tend to think that things are different or more difficult um, is because we tend to see things in our in the West or an American lens. Yeah. And so we think as America declines, it means Christianity's declining yeah. and the world's, you know, but but the truth is what's happening to our culture today has happened to Europe and it's happened to other cultures mm -hmm. over and over again. Yeah, and and the thing that keeps me very now that doesn't mean as a ministry, we pray, I pray that God would bring a revival and healing and hope to America because this is where I live and I love this country. But I'm also assured by the fact that no matter what happens here, that Christ will build his church. The gates of hell will not prevail. Amen. And I'm and my my goal is to make sure that I'm part of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. While you were talking, several things popped in my mind. One is first kind of a crass advertisement, if you will, um, of my own son, Evan Wilkerson. We're talking about, as we talk about this podcast, it's not, it's not about, about youth, but uh, yeah, he heads up a... Uh, an apologetics ministry, and uh, you can follow him online. <clears throat> we'll put some information about him on the show notes. Um, but you know, he's getting after it. He he went through some difficult things in life, as you did. Came out uh, on fire for God, like you are, and so <clears throat> thrilled from. Um, <clears throat> but the other the other thing is, it's it's important to have, uh, you know, the wrong lens is something we want to, you know, as Paul told us as teachers of the word to re re reprove and rebuke and correct and Definitely. then encourage. We want to encourage. Uh, you know, correct lenses. I have glasses on right now. If my wife has readers, if I put the readers on and look at you, you're all blurry. It's the wrong lens. If That's I put right. these glasses on, it's the exact lens I need to be able to see. And so I think God gives us uh, unique lenses. And if and if we get rid of the wrong ones, and I, you know, I mentioned the, the 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 you know seeing everything through our own wretchedness is one, or seeing everything how loved and worthy I am is one. And I'd say a third negative one would be. Um, you know, it, it, I'd say it started with the Catholic Church. It's not it's not digging into the Word. It's whatever your church says. That's right. Uh, and we don't have a pope, but we have, you know, thousands of popes that people go to church, and whatever the pastor says is right. And so their whole doctrine is based on that. And it's not even doctrine a lot of times. It's more, you know— uh, I'm around a lot of people, and they very rarely tell you, hey, I was reading the Word last night, and, man, this gem came out. They're saying, oh, you know, Pastor Bill talked last night about so-and-so, and, you know, I believe what Pastor Bill said, you know, or Pastor yes. Gary even, you know, so Pastor Joshua, the, you know, and so that's that's a neg that's not a healthy lens. It's an a, it's an additional lens. You, you're, you're seeing Scripture through the lens that I've seen them through, which is helpful, but it's not the... The, the, don't live in that. I couldn't agree more. And as someone who has pastored, you know, for a couple of decades, um, you know, my my goal was to make sure that the people under the sound of my voice, you know, I have opinions. I have, I'm doing my best to preach God's word, but my, my goal wasn't to lead them to be my disciples. I wanted, wanted them to be Jesus' disciples. And I wanted them to be people of God's word. When I was pastoring at Teen Challenge, that's what I told them over and over, and this is what I would tell our staff, if they leave here um, as men of God's word um, who put their their stock and trust in this, they're going to be all right, you know, no matter what church they head to, if they have that, if they're discerning the life through this lens. And so I think a healthy preacher um, 
you know, is constantly driving people to God's word, elevating God's word. And, you know, you'll know you're in a healthy church um, in one regard. If you come to your pastor with an open Bible humbly and say, hey, I'm confused about what this is and that is, um, a, a, a good pastor is going to be excited that your Bible's open. He's going to be excited that you took the sermon home and you you looked at it through the Bible like a, a good Berean. Um, but what happens oftentimes, because we live in a culture full of uh, the cult of self, you know, and p- the cult of personality, the idea that you would, well, you would never be able to get to many of your pastors because you're watching them on screens or that's a different conversation. But, but I'm saying, but even if you could... Um, you know, the idea that you would question something they said to me, I was always very excited because it meant that they were, they were doing the work because my job was to proclaim the truth, to proclaim Christ, to proclaim his word. And their job was to apply it to their life. And to do that, they got to get in God's word. Um, And so I think that's that's always a health, it's it's a healthy thing to realize. Um, And this is just a different, this one's for free. Um, You know, if you're attending a church where, where you're glorified, where your pastor's glorified, um, and Christ isn't the continual thing being glorified, the word, and you'll know that because the word of God is elevated, um, then mm-hmm. you might not be in a, a terribly biblical church. And I, I don't say that lightly. I'm not telling people to leave their church, you know, never leave a church without praying and and being, but I'm, but that's something very, very important. We, we've got to be very disciplined to do that. And, and even for us, don't take what we're, we're not trying to tell you to take our word for everything. We want to get you in God's word yeah. so that you can study to show yourself approved. Yeah. And if you won't tell them, I will. If you're in a church that doesn't glorify God, uh, that, 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 that the lens, and that's a lens we didn't even talk about, an unhealthy lens would be uh, the meism. It's all about me. You know, we talked about it in one of our previous podcasts. You know, seeing David, so, oh, it's, he's a hero. I'll be a hero. Uh, the Red Sea, you know, just that, that whole thing. And that's, uh, there are certain churches that I think it's important to, to run from, you know, yep. if it's uh, <clears throat> the, the, that, that are so ingratiated into these negative lenses. Yes. And, and that's a very predominant one today is I go to church to hear about me and my destiny in my life. So, well, let's, let's turn the, the, the tables here a little bit and talk about... Uh, so, again, the question we're trying to get at today is can we help people by encouraging them to see that the Bible as a whole has a, I wouldn't say a singular purpose, but has a, that, that, that it's, that they're not just random books put together and like this, this book is about faith and that one's about healing and this one's, and, and sort of just, you know, you have to choose a book to, but that from page one to, to page, I don't know what end page number, but right. uh, that, that this whole thing has a continuity to it. Yes. And the theme about it that God is after. God wrote a book, smartest, you know, mind. You, know, you can't even call it a mind. It's beyond that. Infinite. Infinite. Um, so his book is going to be perfect. Yes. And so a, a book that doesn't, you know, a book that, uh, yeah, that book is good, but I don't know what it's about. Or it's about 18,000 different things. And within that, it can be. But I think, I I believe there is a a, a golden thread yeah, that, that links through this, and you were spot on. Christ has to be the center of that, but but Christ as what? No, definitely, and yeah, that's so, what I said was a, an overarching thing. And mm-hmm. the things that you're about to say are are, you know, what does that really mean? Yeah. Who is Christ? Why did He come? Yeah. 
who are we? You know, these are very, very important questions. Before you get into the okay, scripture, sure. let me just say one thing that I think is uh, very important. You said a word there that I think is, uh, that, that really needs to be vetted out, and that is continuity. I think there's a lot of people, you know, who go to the Bible looking for it to answer the questions they want it to answer. Right. And so they either do damage to it to, to accomplish that, or they get caught into something, you know, this is, this is just about sin and this is just about morality or it's in taking these lower level things. If we don't see the continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's a good indication that we don't actually know who God is, a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah. So I think it's important to identify these golden threads and these these big themes that that really do mark and and permeate the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. And you and I have fa- fairly, uh, to to a large degree, landed in the same category of how we would see the Scripture, or how we we would want to, as pastors, encourage our people to to um, carefully use that lens. You, you mentioned, you know, some people have a little bit of lens in, you know, we're going to be talking about dispensationalism if we have time, covenantalism, and then judgment, uh, redemption through judgment. Or, and there's four or five others, but these are the three predominant ones in uh, in, in culture, in, in Christian culture, and in, in teachers' uh, mindset. And uh, uh, some of them are more predominant than others. So uh, out of these three, I'd say the first one, let's just talk about, just take five minutes to talk about dispensationalism. Big word, uh, dispensations, uh, is, is this speaks of different epochs of time uh, that the Bible starts with one uh, one season, if you will. It's like, you know, it's winter and then it's spring and then it's fall. Right. And, you know, and so, you know, it, it, it does that. And it, and it, it ends up talking. It ends up saying there's. I'd say the two dispensations that they probably predominantly talk about is Israel and the church. Right. And and so the thing about dispensationalism is that there's there's Israel and God had a plan for Israel, and they fall they fell from it. But He hasn't given up that plan. But but He's kind of temporarily bookmarked or put in parentheses. Okay, I'll work with the church for a while, and but then I'll get back to Israel, my real goal, and stuff right. like that. I purposely don't see the scripture that way, nor yeah. like it. Um, it almost makes God sort of like, uh, you know, an open theism. Uh, I don't, I'm sure you know what it is, but maybe our listeners, open theism is uh, we make a decision, and then God says, oh, you did that, so now I'll do this. It's, it's right. con- he's constantly learning, in a sense, which is a, a horror, horrible way of looking at, <clears throat> at God. But they, So a dispensationalist would, would say, uh, God's working through Israel now, the church, and then back to Israel again, and all the promises. He's, they're going to get the land. There's going to be a new temple. There's going to be new sacrifices, and God works. Salvation is different uh, from. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong with any of this. Uh, salvation for the Gentiles is is one way through the cross. Eventually, salvation for Israel will be back through the through Jesus still, but sacrifices in the temple and even blood sacrifices and stuff. Um, so those, uh, then where, and, and that's probably the lesser known part of dispensationalism. Sorry, I'm going on so long here. No, go ahead. The, the, the more known part of dispensationalism is something I'd say that, I don't think I'd be wrong to say 90% of Christians today wouldn't even know they're dispensationalists, but they are. Especially in the West. In the West. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. China, probably not so. Right. Know, underground churches. I read the church, underground church in Iran, unless they've been influenced by the pop West. culture. It's pop culture, isn't it? Because yeah, I mean, of, it really is. And I know you're thinking what I'm thinking. Like Left Behind. Left Behind series. But it even goes before that. Just to, So just to give a, uh, a, a non, uh, 
to give a generous uh, description of dispensationalism, first and foremost, it's important to say that um, there are some things that I think dispensationalists get right. I think there are some things that are um, good that come from their doctrine. To me, it's the, the rigidness of the organization of the church being divided up or the kingdom of God and time being divided up in these ages where uh, they don't necessarily interact with each other. So they have to, to make this, this dispensational framework work. They, in my opinion, they have to undermine certain, uh, immutable, you know, attributes and, uh, things of God. Now there is, there's a lot of people like you would say that don't necessarily know that that's what they believe, but I would say most or if not all dispensationalists are pre-trib, pre-millennialists that believe in a in a rapture, um, a seven-year tribulation, a second coming of Christ after that. Um, but, but not all Christians have thought through in the dispensational framework to the degree uh, that, that you would say about Israel and um, the church, the separation there. There is always some distinction, but the idea of the people who fall into the latter category um, would be called dual covenant uh, people who believe in the idea that some people to the extreme that the Gentiles are saved through Christ and the cross and taking the scripture in Romans, literally all Israel will be saved. They believe that because of a promise God made in another dispensation to Israel that that basically all Israelites are going to heaven, right? You know, which no. is, and that's the most extreme, and all that's throughout the most, all eternity. Just, yeah, and that's yeah, heretical. That's if you're, utterly heretical. If you're born. In most a- dispensationalists wouldn't believe that. You would take a person like John MacArthur. He would be considered what people would call a leaky dispensationalist, <laughs> which means in a lot of ways he lines up with covenantal theology. But when it comes to church ages. Um, he believes in those, but he but he lets covenantalism in, influence it, and he believes in a pre-trib rapture. And he does also, just to not misrepresent him, he does believe that there will not be a person in heaven that didn't declare Christ as Lord. And so, but I, so it's a really big topic, and there's a lot of different branches of it. But you are definitely right. Most people, I think, in Western Christianity, in the popular church, and in your American megachurch, and in non-denominationalism, um, fall into that category. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, we're running low on time. We're trying to keep our podcast to 30 minutes, and we're almost at that 30 minute mark. Why don't we? <clears throat> why don't we um, kind of put things to a close here now and come back? And uh, we'll, 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 we'll invite you to come back at our next episode when we dig a little further, because we're going to need more time than four minutes to talk about dispensationalism, <laughs> covenant thing. And I can't even say it in five minutes, all the stuff we want to talk right. about. Uh, so <clears throat> thanks for joining us today. Hope you not only learned something, and I hope if you come back and listen to our episode next time, that you'll come with an open mind because we're going to say some things. I don't know about Joshua, but I'm going to say some things that go contrary to like 90% <laughs> of what evangelical Christians believe. Now, what evangelical Christians believe that are different than mine, they're still evangelical Christians. They still love Jesus. They're still on their way to heaven because they're born again. But there's just a little bit of a, I, I want to challenge you in just a, a, a little bit of thinking Um using some of the tools we talked about of exposition of Scripture, the clear interprets the obscure, yes. uh, using some of those tools that we were speaking to you of previously. Um, uh, yeah, so I uh, hope you enjoy this one, and I hope you, you come with that Berean mindset uh, next time we gather together. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Joshua. Intrigued to talk with you today. Enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. 
If you're enjoying the podcast but want to dig deeper, both Gary and Joshua have books that you can buy right now on our online store. Go to worldchallenge.org and click on the store tab at the top of the page. There you'll find books written by David Wilkerson, Gary Wilkerson, Joshua West, and others as well. Check it out today. If you have been positively impacted by the podcast and would like to help us, there are a few ways you can do that. One, remember us in your prayers. Two, share this content with others. And three, consider becoming a World Challenge partner. If you would like to give to the ministry, go to worldchallenge.org and click on the green donate button. Thank you for praying, sharing, and giving. We'll see you next time.